Welcome to the Melrose Place cast. My name is Tej. I'm a Melrose Place super fan going back decades, and I'm here to convince my friend Mary that this show counts as high art for the generations worthy of literary praise. And I'm Mary, and I'm here to convince my friend Tej that it's a trashy soap opera, and that's okay. Join us on our very, very long journey from season one, episode one, pilot, to season seven, episode 35, Asses to Ashes. Oh, good news, Mary. There's the reboot season that we get to watch as well. What? And Models Inc., the spinoff. There's a spinoff. And we should probably review Beverly Hills 90210 when that's all done. Wasn't that on before this? Why would we do. Hello, and welcome back. You've made it to episode two, which is a surprise, I think, just as much for all, as for you. For all of us. Uh, you may have forgotten to clear your browser history. That might have been how you got here. Uh, but thank you. Thank you for coming back for more of this uh, wonderful experiment where I spend my weekends taking notes about Melrose Place. And uh, welcome, Teej, as well. Yes. Hello, uh, friend. Welcome back. One friend who <laughs> downloaded episode two. Now, the question I will ask is, do you think... Whose friend has showed up for this? Is this someone who knows you or me or both of us? <laughs> you know, it's definitely your mother. Uh, I, I think your your brother downloaded the first episode for her, and now she doesn't know what else to do with her life. She's just consuming podcasts like she couldn't believe. She found Serial, she found Pod Save America, and she found the Melrose Placecast. You know, all the all the great ones. I think what actually happened is she did listen to it, but she doesn't understand that it's not a phone call. So she keeps trying to respond and ask me, if I have room in my garbage can for more of her trash. Uh, and I keep not answering, which is very rude. I'm going to hear about this later. Well, do you, would you like to answer her now, Mary? Do you have room? Yes, mother. There is always room in the trash can for your trash. <laughs> well, so Mary, I have a question for you. We're episode two. How are you handling the fame? I mean, I've had to really draw the blinds on the house more than usual, just to, to dim the flashing flash bulbs from the cameras. Yes. Uh, you know, the, the daily press here, the paparazzi unit has been outside of my house. Uh, yeah. When he's yeah. awake, he's, he takes a lot of naps. But when he's up and he's out of donuts, he stops by. Uh, <laughs> how, how are you doing with it? <laughs> oh, the best part is I know exactly which newspaper reporter you're talking about because there's just the one in your small town. Uh, you know, for me, I live in an actual city. So people, word hasn't gotten out yet. It's, uh, I think it's going to be a slow burn. So I've not been dealing with the fame yet. There's been some other things in the news down there, too, though. So it might just be, you know, the signal's gotten clouded. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> well, Mary, I'm, I'm ready to continue the debate about whether or not the Melrose Place counts as high art or a trashy soap opera. Can I, can I give you my first example from season one, episode two, Friends and Lovers? Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Okay. Well, the first one, the reason I think this counts as high art, Mary, is the taxi cab confessions that we got in this episode. Uh, so for those of you who haven't watched it recently, Billy takes a job as a taxi cab driver. And in the 90s, there was the hit HBO show, uh, reality show, they claimed called Taxi Cab Confessions, where they would just record people saying the craziest things uh, to their taxi drivers. So this was uh, before Uber Eats, I think. Um, but well, we had we had Billy driving around a new lady. Uh, I don't remember her name, to be honest. Do you remember I, her name? Mary? I wrote her down and called her Taxi Cab Confessions. That's okay. that's yeah. 
So we get the scene where Billy's at a stoplight in broad daylight. Uh, and he talks about how when you look in the city of L.A., every light represents 50 people. How 50 people are represented by light? He did not say. But then that's 6 million uh, people, 6 million stories. And he said, each one of us afraid of commitment. You've got 6 million people afraid of commitments. And at that moment, uh, Lady uh, gets out of the back seat at a stoplight and just comes up front, at, which should have been Billy's first sign that she would have boundary issues. <laughs> actually. Um, but what really made me think, so all that, right, this could be a throwback to taxi cab confessions and the 90s and what people were thinking about in that kind of um, Darla after dark or whatever that show was, Dharma, Darla. What was that? We didn't, the radio show? I didn't have that channel here. That was... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm gonna I'll, I'll, I'll just edit that reference right out <laughs> but so you, the high art could be the throwback to tactic cab confessions but really what drove the point home for me Mary was that neither of these people in LA traffic bothered to even wear a seatbelt and if that doesn't just send a signal out to future generations of what life was like in the 90s that devil may care attitude just throw your hands up to the wind let the let your let your bodies do what they do in a car accident i don't know what is i i think that counted as as high art for the generations that's a bold stance it's (laughs) um i guess i will counter with why it is it is trashy uh and that not that trashy can't be great but you know um so my first point uh i'm watching this and i'm realizing how cheesy jake is at this point um jake is basically just a guy in a leather jacket that just gets mad he just gets mad and then then he gets he apologizes then he gets mad and it's like the rage and repeat that is often referenced on the real housewives franchises uh so the the story opens this week uh the hot water goes out while he's in the shower and i give Mm. credit they have him come out only in a towel out onto the terrace help and so he bangs on Michael's door. Michael had just gotten home from another shift. And it's very melodramatic. It's a very masculine hissy fit about the water going out. My, what I enjoy about that scene is that it ends with Jake, like, stomping away, going, you got a bad attitude, man. <laughs> and it was really stupid. Uh, later, he gets into a fight at the unemployment office with a weirdly bald man. I couldn't tell if he was really bald or if that was supposed to be a wig. It was a strange hair pattern. Uh, and he was trying to be helpful to a woman of color who was in line in front of him who needed her unemployment check uh mas rapido in the parlance of the people on the show uh and so he gets into a scuffle and he gets arrested by the unemployment office security cards and then kelly who for some reason is still on the show uh, this is kelly kapowski everybody (laughs) doing the crossover she comes uh to pay his bail and we get to enjoy seeing her at the police station in her party dress surrounded by felons and her, they won't take her credit card and that was pretty great anyway back to jake he just kind of keeps yelling at people he's like i'm no good for you and she's paying his bail <laughs> what's wrong with you <laughs> he eventually apologizes to michael and helps him with a water pipe in the it, it seemed like it was the middle of the night and they were out with a wrench i that was probably also homer erotica it just went beyond me And then he comes rolling up to Kelly's house on his motorcycle as the kids are trapped off to the hospital to see, apparently, Kelly's mother has had a baby. I don't know how. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And he's he's just a dick to her. And then they go. How can you say that? He's just always mad. And he's not. I mean, in my recollections, he gets better. And he's not always 
he's just such a stereotype that like there's nothing to him at this point and he's just a leather jacket on a motorcycle you know i i hear you that that may that may have been trashy uh, that ended i think the whole episode ended with him telling kelly we can only be friends so hop on my motorcycle squeeze me tight we'll go to the beach and watch the full moon <laughs> the best part of that exchange was she responded with i have to be home by midnight <laughs> that was great yeah so does he so does he because of his probation though oh i hadn't thought of that you know Oh. The crossover with 90210 is so fascinating because Kelly Kapowski and the rest of the 90210 gang, they physically look so out of place. And, and I don't know if Kelly looked, because of her ghostly complexion and, and kind of her slight nature, if she looked out of place at 90210 as well, but she just does not fit in with these people. No. And the whole, it's like they have to crank up the lights whenever they're on there. Like Everything is brighter and more obnoxious. And it's weird. It's totally a weird switch it's strange listen i think you're wrong to call that trashy i think uh it it really showed the inner angst of the the mid-90s heterosexual man especially with uh michael and and jake and and the inserting matt just casually slyly and and quite frankly suddenly in between the two of them i think was really trying to send a message uh, the way that literary artists uh for decades would have would have appreciated do you think they remembered Matt there and they thought, oh, he's not in any scenes this week. Let's just, let's get him in here for a minute. He's not dressed. That's okay. <laughs> just put him in a robe and have him run out. It's fine. Like, we don't even have to do makeup on him. It's fine. Just have him run out. Yes, I think that's true. <laughs> well, let me, let me hit you with one more theory about why this is high art before we, we take our very good break. Are you ready? I'm ready. My example of why this is high art for the generations telling the rest of us people humans to come that haven't even been born yet what life was like back then is of course the dr ruth cameo (laughs) so dr ruth showed up in billy's dream so billy is dreaming about little old ladies talking about sex and in this scenario he had a lady taps and cab confession lady on the show talking about her her sex life and it's what what Dr. Ruth said or what I picked up was that Lady is just an oversexed talker. So that that shook him up because earlier in the night at the pool party, Lady was telling everybody everything they needed to know about Billy sexually, even though even though Billy told Allison they only slept together, but they didn't sleep together, if you know what I mean. So I don't know how that came to be. But Allison said to him, Billy, your whole sex life is on display. And it it made me think, bringing in Dr. Ruth, having it be a Freudian-style dream, really drives home the point, I think, that humans and just the condition of humanity uh, was so complex at the time, not as simple as it is today. And I think they were were sending up the sending up the signal, cap of that captured by this quote from the one line uh, Rhonda had this episode, which she said to Billy. You need to rest up for tonight. <laughs> and I think that, again, that really, that was a moment of, of high art. It was the human condition on display in Billy's dream with, with Dr. Ruth, who, how she became a sex celebrity in the 90s, I'll never be able to understand or unwind. And I think that's what great art does. It gives us something to think about forever. 
You know, part of that scene that was so artistic was how when they cut back from Dr. Ruth and Taxi Cat Confessions Lady, uh, the grill that Billy was cooking on was engulfed in flames, <laughs> which was very symbolic of, of his uh, emotional state. I don't know. See? Symbolism. <laughs> yep. He is a writer. Also, I wonder if the writers have used a grill before. Because I don't think they erupt in flames that way without an additive agent. We'll never know. It was off camera. You know, maybe maybe someone walked by with a can of lighter fluid and accidentally come on there. <laughs> Dropped it. <sighs> well, listen, Mary, I don't think I persuaded you quite yet, but I've, I've got one more example for after the break. Do you, do you want to take a rest? I accept these terms. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll take a break and we'll we'll come right back. This week's episode of Melrose Placecast is brought to you by D and D Bail Bondsman. Have you gotten into a little bit of trouble? Did you? What'd you do? What, oh <laughs> God, you at the unemployment office? What the hell? Okay, you're gonna need to call. <laughs> the nearest 17-year-old you're friends with, send her on down to D&D Bail Bondsman. We're located right across from the uh, police office. Police office? Is that right? Police station. Come on in. Tell her. Bring her credit card. Bring her cash. If she's got jewels, she can hawk. Whatever she's got, we're going to need some sort of collateral. And we'll get you out of there. You know what? Get you out of there. We're going to help you get home. Uh, you're going to owe a 17-year-old. Probably she's expecting other things as well. But you know what? We're going to get you out of jail, and hopefully you'll get this unemployment thing figured out, and you'll get your check pretty soon. Come on down, D&D Bail Bondsman, uh, right across from the police station. You're <laughs> in the police office. You know, nothing nothing gets you out of out of serious charges like your underage girlfriend coming to bail you out. <laughs> the best part was when the lady had to explain what priors are. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, we the Kelly was in a like a party dress standing in the police station. <laughs> well, as always, we we appreciate uh, our sponsors and be sure to utilize. Uh, well, actually, Mary, uh, bail bondsmen are canceled now. They don't have those anymore. They're bad. Cash bail is bad. Well, I'm not saying it's good, but they still exist, right? I mean, like, wait, I mean, you're you're hawking for them. I, they, I have nothing to do with this. Let the record show. I am uninvolved. I was told to get a sponsor. That was all. <laughs> That's what I did. All right. Welcome back uh, for the second half of season one, episode two, Friends and Lovers. Uh, Mary's going to start us off with uh, a weak example, I would proactively say of how this series counts as a trashy soap opera so mary uh let's what do you got uh i'm gonna repeat this many times jane is very boring and very whiny so he later he's out fixing the water pipe this is when jake shows up later on and it's weirdly like the middle of the night it seems like and he's out with his wrench fixing the water pipe and instead of helping, she's just standing in the doorway, like, glaring at him. And then she just mutters, like, 
good night and closes the door and walks away. I'm like, go help him. Like he needs help with the wrench. Like you could at least stand there and not be a dick. You live there too. <laughs> Forgive me if I'm out of sequence, but so they're having the little pool party and uh, Taxi Cab Confessions is there telling everyone what a magnificent lover and boyfriend Billy is, <laughs> which is funny all on its own. And she comes over to Billy and he's clearly kind of ooked out by this. He like, he's starting to have second thoughts. Like maybe Taxi Cab Confessions is a little off you know, which most of us have figured out by this point. And Jane, who's just like so into her own drama all the time, because up and she's like, you need to remember every precious moment of falling in love, Billy, because you can't get this back. And like, this is, this is the most wonderful thing that will ever happen to you. And I'm like, that's just sad to like, that's the only thing she has to look forward to. Because spoiler, that marriage is not going to end well. Uh, and all she does on the show at this point, and for quite a while from what I remember, is she basically just answers the door and gets Michael. Like when people come to ask her stuff, and that's kind of all she does. She doesn't have any life. She just waits for him to come home, and then she's mad that he came home and he's tired because he worked like 25 hours straight. Now, how dare you, Mary? Jane is a fascinating character uh, in ways that I can't articulate, but I'm sure are there. But she did this episode i i want to note she had the most interesting swimsuit i have seen it was bright blue but like a deep bright blue uh with weird tartan cross cross lines all the way through it i just i don't know whoever put that together seriously uh it was interesting <laughs> were there, with- those little dots pom-poms i couldn't tell they looked like pom-poms and was that supposed to be a Mancini design? Because then it makes sense thematically. But I agree with your question. Where on earth did they get that from? <laughs> Who, where did they, it, it had to be off the rack. And I just want to know which rack, you know. What but, store is that and does it still exist at the mall? <laughs> the, the other thing that jumped out to me about that story, uh, that, that storyline with Jane and Michael, is that Allison said to Jane how lucky she is. And she said to just two people who have it so together and I just thought like oh this this, you're not going to be saying this for long but Jane do you remember how she knew Michael was in love with her Michael oh you forgot too your typical man is what you're telling (laughs) me oh so now you're Michael Mancini (laughs) oh boy (laughs) things are going to liven up around here (laughs) she broke the high heel on one of her shoes and he said don't worry I can fix that and he fixed it by somehow sneaking her other shoe off. I didn't quite follow that. And snapping the other heel. <laughs> well, that evened him out, I guess. Although, how would you... I don't know how... That's something that's mystified me forever. Is how would you walk with your shoes like that, even if both of them are broken? You'd have to... I don't know. I'm going. I'm thinking too much about this. You're certainly thinking about it more than the Melrose Place writers did. <laughs> that's true okay well here mary i have i have an example i'd like to give you of why this is high art are you ready yeah i can't believe we haven't talked about it yet but this this episode this series so far up through the last first episode and the first whole three minutes of this one i really captured where america was in the 90s with sexual harassment so if you remember last week allison's creepy supervisor Uh, took her out drinking, introduced her to people, and then tried to seduce her. Not seduce her. He was not trying to seduce her. Tried to sleep with her in a very aggressive way that caused Billy to come out in his boxer shorts and claim to be her husband. 
which she laughed hysterically at him about. Um, but the, the whole sexual harassment storyline, which I thought was in the making to be this season long arc of uh, political justice and, and gender equality, just ended with uh, an awkward scene where Allison told him, I'm going to stand up for myself. And he said, uh, what are you talking about? We just went out on a date. And she was just shocked and appalled in her Allison face with her Allison face. Can I say that? <laughs> Is that sexist to say? No, because it's a it's just about her. It's about her face. Okay, but it's like all women too. I'm not gonna go there, but <laughs> what is that? I'm not That's. <laughs> <laughs> I think our listener is angry with me, but it just the whole thing just sizzled out because just like America gave up on sexual harassment and gender equality in the early '90s, we just got bored with it. It just sizzled out in the opening scenes of this episode. The guy was revealed; he had to leave, and we will never hear about this again. Is that true? I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I believe it's true. It, I mean, we didn't hear about it the rest of the episode, so I wouldn't give the Melrose Place writers any more credit than to hold on to something longer than eight minutes. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, I guess I expected more to come of that, too. And it was sort of just gone. It was like, poof. Oh, OK. Like that other lady. Basically, it was like, hey, that other lady I already reported him. So now you don't have to. And I'm like. Well, no, you should probably also report him so that they have a stronger case that he's a problematic person in the office. Like, you don't just go, oh, someone already did it. Never mind. Well, and this was, remember, this was during that Demi Moore movie where she wanted to sleep with Ashton Kutcher for the night or however that that went, right? It just sexual harassment was a hot topic in America at this time. Now we dealt with it and Melrose Place took it on head first for four scenes. Yeah, you don't ever hear about it anymore. Yeah, but it, it was high art for that reason. It was it was capturing what it was like to live in this society. It really tackled that. It really, really took care of it. Yeah. So that that's my final high art point. Uh, I will admit that it's a stretch, but it was the best I could do this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- my final point, I don't know that it proves that it's trashy. It just proves that I don't like Allison. And this is again, probably going to How dare you? I don't understand. Allison is fantastic. You know what I will say? I like the actress who plays Allison. I think she yeah. does a great job playing Allison. But I think Allison, the character, is... And here's what I wrote down. She needs to move to a retirement community. Okay? Because she does not belong with other people her own age. Because she is, like, the world's oldest... The world's youngest old woman. And I say that as someone who lives with three cats and crochets. So I can say that. But she acts like someone on a soap opera. Uh, so we, we start with uh, the door has been banged on by Jake and his towel and he's mad. Uh, and Michael is defending himself saying, hey, I'm really sorry. The hot water's out. I'm going to fix it really soon. I just got home from like whatever number of shifts he'd done at the hospital. I'll get to this as soon as I can. And Jane just stands there useless like she always is. And then they go back inside and she starts being all schmoopy because she wants to have a schmoopy evening. And she's like, oh, I remember the moment I knew that I was in love with you. And she goes on and on and then, you know, expectantly falls into silence waiting for him to respond. And he can't remember. Uh, And clearly the man is exhausted. Uh, He has worked and he's like, hey, like, cut me some slack. Like, I'm just really tired. I, you know, you're taking this too seriously. And she gets all huffy and waters up. Are are you sure Michael wasn't thinking about sleeping with another lady at that moment? 
he may have been, but he's still nice at this point. It seems like, like he still, he doesn't seem cr- like the Michael will come to know and love later. So I don't know. That's a possibility. So we, we open the show. I think this is after the hot water issue with the Jake and the towel, which I'm just going to keep repeating. Cause I think people like that. Billy grabs a newspaper off of the front stoop, I guess you'd call it. And he wants to look at the classified ads to get a better job. Because again, let's remember he works at a professional dance Academy and we've seen him dance. So he's not going to last. That job is not going to last. So he needs to find something else. And she, cause he's not I, a dancer. He's not I, a dancer. No. Oh no, no. And Allison, I swear to God, I've heard my father say this. My father is now a 74 year old man. I hate it when people read my newspaper before I do. Like, what 23-year-old would go like, you can't look at the paper until I'm done with it? Like, especially now, but even in the 90s, like, you wouldn't have said, like, unless you're an old lady, you don't care. Look, look at the classified. Later on, she decides she's making nice with Billy. They're going to paint the apartment, which is stupid, but that's a whole area we won't go into. So she wants Billy to help. And they're like, oh, okay, we'll make a night of it. But then he meets Taxi Cab Confessions that day, and he gets home with her, and she comes home with her paint cans and she's very uncomfortable with taxi cab confessions being there. And then they go into Billy's bedroom to start, you know, wink, wink, fooling around. And she's just sort of leering outside with her paintbrush because the walls are thin. And she's like practically listening with her ear to the door, like what's going on in there. And she's all scandalized. And so he comes out and he refers to uh, taxi cab confessions as affair, which is like a play on words with the word affair, which Oh, that was brilliant. Right? I missed that. And so Allison, she's like, oh, and he's like, no, like a fair, like she was paying. And Allison, I will give her this. She has good zingers at this point in the show. And she says, whatever she is, she has a very odd idea of tipping. <laughs> that, was- <laughs> that was the best. We we cut to the next morning and Allison is still clearly very pissy about taxicab confessions being there. And I understand. I would probably be the same way because I, too, am an old lady. And so she comes out of Billy's room in one of Billy's presumably dirty shirts because we never see him do any laundry. And she's like, oh, Allison, is it okay if I use your deodorant? Which, no, it's not okay. (laughs) I'm on Allison's side here. To Allison's credit, she rolls her eyes and goes, I guess so. (laughs) Is that a normal thing women do? Not in my life, no. Listen, I'm probably... More protective of my personal hygiene products than others, but no, I don't think you should be sharing that unless you have to. Like, no, that's weird. And there's another great zinger that comes up. So Taxi Cab is just digging in the fridge looking for something to eat because it's not rude. And then she realizes Allison's name is on everything, and so she comes out. I think it's an orange, and she it's goes, "It's a grapefruit, Mary. It's a grapefruit. Right, it is a grapefruit." And she goes, "You put your name on your fruit." And I, Yes, that's good. That is something an old person would do at the home when they. No, I I know why you're offended by that, Mary. That that whole naming the the food thing, because what what our listener, uh, what he or she does not know about you, is that you're very protective of post-it notes. I've seen you take one half-size post-it note, one of the little ones, and use it for four different notes using the back, cutting it in half with the with the scissors, mm-hmm. and to see Allison just write her name with a a thick sharpie. To put on a piece of grapefruit that Billy was not going to eat. No, no. Billy, probably hurts you to your core. No, first of all, Billy probably has scurvy because we only see him eat like cereal ever. That's all he eats. He eats the strawberries off the fireplace. 
That's true. <laughs> That's a good point. No, I, I will not apologize for my frugality with post-it note use. And I was and continue to be offended that she would write on them with those Sharpies that bleed through so you can't use the other side. Okay. This is the hill I'm going to die on. Uh, it is, it is. At the end of the episode, and this was the most old person thing, this was like a, this was like the scene out of a drug commercial that comes on during Wheel of Fortune, and it's like for some sort of, I don't know, psoriasis medication. Normally, it would be the part where the voiceover is like, side effects may include, you know, itching and diarrhea and heart palpitations. And it's just her and Billy, like, almost silently standing with their paint rollers on a wall together. Like, they're having a blast, but it looks horrible. I'm like, you are just the, you are just the oldest person in the world. But Allison genuinely looks like this is the most fun she's had. <laughs> and to top it all off, if I remember right, they're either painting a white wall beige or a beige wall white. I'm like, you're a 23 year old and you're painting your wall beige in your. It was the 90s. Beige was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Could have had mauve or like French country blue or one of those colors everyone was sponge painting over. She should have been sponge painting. That's what people were doing in the 90s. Water paint. It was ridiculous. <laughs> do, you, do you know what stood out to me about that scene? <laughs> is that I understand, you know, for cinematic purposes, because I, I view this as art. So I understand why they had to stage it this way. But who on earth, if you're going to paint an entire apartment, would start on the same wall right next to each other? <laughs> they were no more than two feet away from each other painting just straight up and down too, not in a V, not kind of crisscross applesauce, just up, down, up, down. That wall is going to be a hot mess when they're done. They're going to have to hire Jake, who's probably still unemployed, to come and fix it for them. Because, but, but then he won't be unemployed anymore. Not if they pay him under the table or they just pay him in tuna casserole or something. <laughs> All right. Well, Mary, I, I don't think we've won each other over yet. But would you would you like to, to end with our highlights? Yes. I. You know, I've hit most of my highlights during my my other notes. But there was one moment that really made me laugh because it was super super stupid and it was when taxi cab confessions was first in the taxi and they were sitting and i think she had just jumped in the front seat and she turns to him and says you look exactly like springsteen he looks nothing like bruce springsteen except maybe the mullet but other than that their faces look nothing alike they physically look nothing alike each other and it was very funny I, I can't speak to that. I'm too young to know what Springsteen looks like. So, mm, okay. Can I tell you my highlight that I did that I hadn't covered? Because you're right, much of it was already covered. But uh, <laughs> was when Sandy. Do you remember her, Sandy? Sandy. That's my southern accent. <laughs> she she first we met the the current owner of Shooters, who's a lady who wears boutonnieres to I work. I completely forgot about her. I had yeah. no recollection of that woman, and now I don't remember her name either. But but yeah, that's a surprise. The, she was Sandy was showing the lady owner her headshots because Sandy really wants to make it in Hollywood. And the lady said, this looks nothing like you. Uh, there's just too much cleavage. And I, I, I really, I would have guessed that was what you needed. But who am I? Who am I? There was, I forgot about this. There was one other wonderful Sandy moment. It was at Shooters. I think in that same scene when the headshots are laying up, and Kelly comes in and starts rifling through them. She's like, oh, Kelly Sandy. Kapowski. Yes, thank you. And she was, I think, trying to suck up to Sandy a little. And she's like, oh, my God, you look so amazing in all your headshots. And Sandy starts ditching it out like she does. And she's like, you know, what are you doing here? I'm looking for Jake. And 
why why are you here? Well, my mom had her baby, and I wanted to let Jake know. And Sandy responds, "Well, I guess with the new baby in the family, they'll have to pay the sitter extra." <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Sandy spins. <laughs> Mary, I hate to do this. I have to change my highlight. There was one one other one that I forgot to mention. <laughs> it was uh, when Taxi Cab Confessions was in the apartment the next morning and she said to Allison when the two of them were alone, she said, I know what you must think of me. And because she's a dental student, Taxi Cab Lady is, uh, Allison quickly responded with, well, it certainly changed my view of dentistry. <laughs> forgot about that <laughs> this is the best remember this allison was originally the main character before heather Lockler showed up so the writers were giving it their all for her yeah so they were trying they were the, trying. the takeaway is as much as you don't like her character this was as good as it got for them <laughs> oh god <laughs> well mary i think we need to wrap up for this week we'll come back at it next week with uh season one episode three lost and found I can't wait to get found. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Uh, Mary, I have, I have great news. There's another sponsor for the Melrose Place cast. Wow. Would would you care to guess who it is? There's, there's so many worthy entities. I don't know that I can. You know what? Don't guess. You're going to come up with something really problematic. I will just tell you. It's uh, this week's episode of the Melrose Place cast is brought to you by High High Heels. So if you are on a date with a very boring lady who looks like she's a member of Wilson Phillips and you need to impress that lady, try High High Heels where you can snap the heel on or off or on or off again in order to make her for some reason fall in love with you at that exact moment. If, you, if you're looking for a boring, naggy wife... I hope that's not sexist. Was that sexist of me to say? It's fine. Nagy? I feel like Nagy is wrong. I don't know if we've canceled that yet. Yeah, it's certainly not as bad as your bail bondsman friends. I didn't... But if, if, you, need, if you need a boring Nagy wife, try High High Heels. Go to the High High Heels store and use promo code the Melrose Place cast starring Marion Teej. That's is the promo code. Did I say that? Is it all caps? It's no, uh, every fourth character is capitalized after every vowel, which is sometimes another vowel. So, scenario, do Y count as a vowel? No. Okay, no. good. Good. Yeah. It, as it, uh, to be honest, it's never a vowel. I, and I will, I will stand behind that statement. I'm gonna, I'm like many things, I'm just gonna let that go. <laughs> yeah, you, sh- you should have let, let your relationship with bail bondsmen go. But try High High Heels at the High High Heels store. Promo code The Melrose Place Cast, starring Marion Teach. That sounds like a great deal. And I think people are really going to like that. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna love it. And there's going to be so many uh, love affairs with uh, boring, bowl cut women. God, you know, you don't see a lot of the bowl cuts. And I thought you would during quarantine just because of, you know, you can't go to the place and get your hair cut. Maybe I should do a bowl cut. That could be my project tomorrow. I can't wait to see, can't wait to see pictures, Mary. <laughs> so wait, seriously, how how long does this show go on? How many episodes are there? <laughs> Mary, I told you this, right? So it goes to season seven of the original run, but then there's the re- the reboot season. So there's how many reboot seasons? Just the one so far. 
so far. But there's also, but then Mary, there's the the Amazon has the true story of Melrose Place movie that we should cover. Oh God, how long? Yeah, and and uh, Models Inc has to be covered too. Wait, what the hell is Models Inc? It's a two season spinoff. Of what? What do they? Of Melrose Place from the lady from Dynasty was on it, I think. Lady from Dynasty, my God, this was like a whole industry. And I do think 90210, to get to understand where this show came from, is probably worth exploring. I, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> and then when Allison left, she went to Allie McBeal. Does it have anything to do with the contents of Melrose Place? I just feel like, how do you really want to be an expert in this or not? I mean, I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> okay, so we're in for all of it. <laughs> oh, God. 